Welcome to the Startup Grind podcast. Startup Grind is the world's largest startup community, inspiring, educating, and connecting millions of entrepreneurs across the globe. These are the stories of disruptors, innovators, and game changers from the fastest high growth companies and venture capital firms in existence. Join us as we unpack their strategies, learn from their mistakes, and grow together. There is no time to wait, so let's begin. This episode is brought to you by Oracle for Startups. Hey y'all, Chris Jonu, and this is the Startup Grind Global Podcast. Today you're in for a treat. It's a, a nice, you know, warm, it'll leave you feeling good, this one. You know, I got Debbie Wall, the Executive Vice President of the Sage Foundation, uh, one of the largest corporate foundations globally. It is a, the corporate philanthropic division of Sage, the UK's largest tech firm, with 12,000 employees serving over 3 million customers across 23 countries worldwide. Uh, she champions an approach called action philanthropy, um, which is based on the corporations maximizing their people capital and empowering employees to support their local communities to have the greatest possible social impact. Now, what does that mean? It means that you know they are offering up to five days of paid um, leave for for uh, employees to volunteer in their community. And this is having a tremendous impact on their culture and uh, the talent they attract because people love this and they love helping people and they can't come back into the organization and talk about it. And it just kind of filters through to the, to, to the point that, you know, they're attracting people from other organizations that want to have that ability to do the volunteering as part of their job. And, and it's, it's pretty crazy. And then what also, you know, became, you know, quickly apparent was how powerful, um, you know, privately funded um, projects like the one she is working on and, and the need for private funding to, to um, get behind um, some of these projects given some of the timelines to really first uncover how they can help and then second to kind of roll it out globally um, all while being, you know, quite sensitive let me help you know shed some light on that. So that she's working on a project called A Place to Call Home, where they're helping tackle the root causes of youth homelessness and Rainbow with a capital AI, which is an AI-powered tool supporting victim victims of domestic violence. So and these these are these take years to put together and complete. There's still works in progress for her. So yeah, there's there's just a good feeling to know that they're um, a company's out there, you know, pay, like bankrolling this stuff, right? It's like, um, whereas, you know, my assumption is that government, you know, despite best intentions, sometimes run out of funding or priorities change, um, as un- unfortunate as that may be. And some of these things get left, you know, mid-program where she has the ability and the cap- capability and the, you know, the backing to see this all the way through. And it's a truly special thing. Um, so... You know, while the sub, some of the subject matter is quite heavy, um, I try and keep it keep it as light as I can, and and Debbie is um, you know also helps with that. And um, yeah, I'm proud to, proud to proud to have hosted her and shared this story with all of you. Enjoy. Welcome, welcome Debbie to the show, Startup Growing Global Podcast. Um, I am very excited to talk to you today um, because we're going to talk about the Sage Foundation and. Um, and what I know is one of the the largest tech firm in the UK, 12,000 employees, 
and then and then you run the foundation that is part of the business correct i do and we're the largest tech firm in the uk for sure um by a long shot so um yeah i I started the foundation five years ago um because we really wanted to take action in our communities sage had gone through quite a lot of changes and we work across at that time 23 markets we're now down to 22 but that's still a pretty good number of um, markets that we work across so sage foundation works across all those markets and we started the foundation to do more than just make money um we wanted to give back to community we wanted to really galvanize all the different things that we were doing around the world and i guess most importantly um we wanted to get all our engagement amongst all our colleagues around something that other than work um and it's been pretty successful so far absolutely well before i get into all that because i usually like to you know take the audience on a bit of a journey and i i go a little bit back because i'm interested in just understanding you know, Debbie Wall, the person, you know, and then hear a little bit about your journey and how we got to, um, you know, starting the Sage Foundation and and everything else. I, I usually yeah. start with the question, I say usually, but it's every single time. <laughs> um, <laughs> was there a mother or father that was an entrepreneur? Absolutely. Yeah. My dad was an entrepreneur, um, an Irish immigrant family coming to London in the 40s. Um, and he basically got into the hospitality industry. Um, his mother was entre- an entrepreneur. She used to serve coffee to all the navvies on the railways um, outside Waterloo train station in the caravan. So yeah, definitely, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of uh, entrepreneurism uh, in us for in sure. The blood in the blood. And then and then, what was like your your education? Uh, I went to state school um, in South London and I left there and didn't really know what I wanted to do, um, but did, did end up going to university, but not straight away. I did actually go into the pub pub game for a while, uh, bars, restaurants. We've all done it. Uh, done it. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and then um, went to university and from there I was very lucky and um, found out all about Formula One motor racing. So I spent 20 years working in motor racing. I ended up running my own business. Um, I basically, through over time, realized that I had some pretty good contacts with some big corporates that were looking to do global sponsorships, primarily in Formula One, but I I did do other things as well. Um, So I set up um, on my own, uh, and that's how I ended up at Sage, actually, um, because I'd done quite a lot of work with the uh, Virgin and Virgin Unite, which is the Branson Foundation, um, around how you can engage people through philanthropy um, and engage sponsorship and make sponsorship work for good, um, rather than it just being about advertising hoardings. Um, so I worked with, with with the Virgin Group on Virgin Money's sponsorship of the uh, marathon, London Marathon, which they took over. And um, we generated millions and millions of pounds worth of fundraising through having teams of runners from all the different Virgin businesses around the world running the marathon um, and really engaging not just the runner that was running but a whole team of people that supported them to raise money so that was a pretty cool um, project that I worked on um, and then I came to Sage as a consultant um, to really set Sage Foundation up and do the same thing really engaging um, colleagues first and primary but then obviously since then partners who sell our products on our behalf and customers and yeah it's been a it's been a crazy 26 27 years i guess crazy so um can i go back a little bit and ask that you know um how does a race cars going go turn into 
you know, philanthropy. Or like, you know, and like, I imagine there was a lot of swearing and like, you know, uh, testosterone in the, in the, um, in the racing stuff. And just, can you just give me that journey there, how it became like, um, how I ended up. Yeah. It's a, yeah. I, I guess it's that old, old entrepreneurial spirit, isn't it? It's, um, I had spent time working for some of the biggest teams, Benetton, when we won the world championship. Um, I then went from there to, to a startup. So I worked for Jackie Stewart when we started Stewart Grand Prix. Um, and from there, I progressed to sort of client management. So I looked after all the sponsorship for Stewart Grand Prix. And um, I kind of just wanted a change. I, I didn't want to work for just motor racing organizations. So I ended up going to work for Orange Mobile Phones. Um, which was at the time the big one coming out startup. They were they were the very much the small player in the market um, in the UK and obviously in Australia as well actually. Um, and from there, I ran all their sponsorships across different, you know, uh, mainly sport but some entertainment as well. Um, and then I was like, mm, I've done the corporate bit now. Maybe I want to go and work agency side. So I went to work for a. Uh, an agency, a small agency, which then we then grew the business to sort of seven markets and across sort of a five year period. Um, and I guess that's where I started to think about how sponsorship, but also sport could do more to help charities and philanthropy. Um, and I ended up working with the Starlight Foundation, which is a kids charity that grants wishes. Again, they're in Australia as well as the UK. Um, and I granted wishes to young people that were not necessarily always terminally ill, but very poorly um, around Formula One. So, you know, you get a letter saying, I'd love to meet Lewis Hamilton, or I'd love to attend the Monaco Grand Prix, or I'd love to sit in a Formula One car. Sometimes it was as simple as that. And that was really what got me thinking about how all my contacts and all the contacts in the business could really help to um, galvanize and help communities. Um, so I sort of actively then decided I was going to um, set my own agency up because I, I'd kind of done it for somebody else. Um, so I set my agency up and um, at that point I, I wanted to make sure that we always did something around philanthropy. And this is like, how long ago? 2007. So a fair, fair, fair amount of time ago. It wasn't quite, you know, people weren't thinking quite like this as a general rule. They were starting to, but it wasn't always uh, the first primary thing. Um, so I always gave back time uh, to different charities, either to help them with their strategy around fundraising. Because if you think about it, sponsorship and fundraising are quite similar. You're raising money. Yeah, absolutely. Um, or different, and, different outcomes. With very different outcomes. Um, and I, I obviously work with Starlight and, and still do actually. Um, and that was pretty much how it sort of happened. And then I got introduced to somebody at Virgin Unite through a, a, a mutual friend. And at the time, Virgin were just about to take over the sponsorship of the London Marathon, which was a huge deal. I mean, it's the biggest fundraising platform on the, world, in, on, on the planet. Um, and they were looking at trying to think about how they could form a project which helped um, help society but also again engage colleagues and engage staff and customers so I set that program up it was called Mission Possible um, and it's still running in slightly different guise to what it was back in 2010 I guess um, but that's still going and that was really that was the start of it and then um, I knew the, the then CEO of Sage 
um, because he was a friend as somebody I knew, not particularly well. And we kind of met up at, a, at an event and he was sort of talking about how he wanted to start a foundation. Um, and I, I just sort of left the comment, well, if you, you know, if you want any help then, or you want any, bounce any ideas past me, then, you know, you know where I am sort of thing. Um, and then I got a call uh, later that summer to sort of ask me whether I'd come on board for three months to look at how we could make, you know, that a reality basically. So we launched it in three months and that was the start of Sage Foundation. Um, so that was my journey, bit of a weird one, I guess, but to be honest with you, the skill sets are really similar. It's project management, it's chasing the money, it's client relationships, it's, you know, liaising with people, building things. Uh, it's no different from building a business separately. I've just built a business within a business, if you like, um, which, yeah, I guess I'm pretty proud of, to be honest. <laughs> it's, yeah. been, it's been a great five years. It's funny how, you know, sometimes I, you know, interviewing, you know, high performers like yourself and uh, oftentimes they they don't get a chance to stop and just kind of reflect on, on you know, the accomplishments, you know, and so hopefully I can help help today a little bit. Um, yeah, you have. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> and and, and with, with the Virgin bit, you know, obviously today we're talking about Sage, but with Virgin, were you, were you, were you working quite closely with uh, Sir Richard Branson? Was there... Was there some funny stories, you know, um, in the role there? Richard's amazing. He's just, he's got vision. Um, he has so much vision and, and it was totally his vision to, to find a way to bring colleagues from all the different Virgin businesses together to raise money and, and come together under a common theme. So it was absolutely his vision and he checked in on it. Um, he checked in on it regularly. <laughs> um, and he, you know, he appeared in the, in the promotional videos and I actually ended up in, in his house in Oxfordshire on my partner's 40th birthday because that was the only day he could film um, the, the, the launch Mission Possible um, uh, video. So, yeah, no, Richard's definitely involved. Um, I actually went on to do some work with him after that and a few other um, of the Virgin team to set up Virgin Racing, the Formula One team. Um, so it's how, it was very weird how my life just keeps colliding with, with sport. Um, and actually at, um, when I joined uh, Sage, one of the first big projects I did was to our, our sponsorship of the Invictus Games. Um, yeah. so, and that really was sponsorship and philanthropy just coming together and it was just, probably the most amazing project I've ever worked on. Um, it was just amazing to work on, on, on the Invictus Games. And obviously we, we were down in Sydney. Uh, the last Games was down in Sydney, um, which is just uh, absolutely awesome. So it feels like so long ago, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it does, I tell you, it was a different world then, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I'm literally, you know, I've got the, the production here, but I, um, I'm in the garage. Um, <laughs> smoke and mirrors. um so so you, you get the call and you're asked to kind of set up like you know this is one of the largest tech firms in the world and they're you know uh, i guess had you know decided to give back they're already kind of thinking about it they give you the call what's next how does this kind of unravel uh it unraveled incredibly fast um so i think i got the call um in the august i met with Steve Hare, who's our current CEO, um, who was my boss when, when I first joined um, Sage, to, um, to basically set this up. Um, and, and we had sort of 10 weeks to do it because it was the beginning of our new financial year. And um, 
and that was when we wanted to to launch so um i'll be honest i i, I really did exactly the same as what i did when i was at virgin i literally went around and spoke to all the then sort of managing directors of all the different markets around the world um and i literally sort of said look what are you doing already what do you want to do and what are the three things that really resonate with your your teams um in regards to giving back um there was it was really patchy some places they did nothing as you would expect because it, you know different countries are on a very different journey in regards to philanthropy and giving back and you know lots of markets feel it's governments that give you know that do that stuff not not individuals that is changing significantly and has changed significantly over the last five years which is in itself a, another podcast but so literally i just went out and spoke to people um we decided that we were going to focus on three main groups um and that was absolutely down to what was already happening in the business let's not recreate the wheel let's just build on what we've the, the very small foundation we already had um, so we work with young people, military veterans and women. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I started to talk about what we, what the, we were doing with those people, it, there was a real strong trait that it was around making sure that people did better in their local communities. So when you started to boil what that actually looked like, that was around education. So making sure people had access to education, whether it's, you know, a military veteran that's making a transition from uh, the forces into civilian world or whether it's a young person that maybe hasn't had the best upbringing and kind of hasn't gone to school or whether it's oh, I'm a woman who has given up their career to bring a family up or be a carer and suddenly finds themselves in a position where they need to work um, and so education is a key thing and from that obviously it's about work readiness so are you ready to go and work, both physically and mentally? Have you got the skills that you need? Have you got the confidence? Have you got the clothes to wear? Have you got the um, ability to get on a bus or, or, or the money to get on a bus to go to, to, go to the office? Um, and then entrepreneurism, obviously, because we are you know, one of the largest suppliers of um, SaaS software for small business, small to medium businesses. So we absolutely are always encouraging everybody to look at becoming an entrepreneur because, you know, there's some great examples in the business of people that have ended up at Sage because they were entrepreneurs, myself included. Um, so, so that was pretty much, we kept it really, really simple. And at the time it was around giving away money. So giving grants, um, but giving grants to make sure that um, our colleagues could go out and volunteer. So volunteering is massively important to Sage. Um, we last year we did thirty-one and a half thousand days of volunteering across our markets with our coll- with just our colleagues, not partners or customers, just our colleagues. So everybody gets up to five days volunteering as part of their working year. So they don't have to take holiday. They get paid for it, um, which in itself was an education. We had to educate people that it was okay to to say to a manager, actually, I'd really like to go and spend an afternoon working with young people in a school or whatever it might might look like. Um, and then we, we also have a product, at the time, a product donation strategy. So we gave away products. Now, as Sage has evolved to become more, you know, to become a SaaS business and all our products are in the cloud, um, our whole product portfolio has changed hugely. So if you like, that was probably my biggest challenge. And um, is, is finding the right products and making sure they've got the right functionality to work for non-for-profits. And that is an ongoing um, 
a program that will roll out over the next five years. Um, and some markets we are, you know, we have a whole suite of offerings and other markets we're still, you know, we're still building that, um, building that offering up. Um, so that was, it was keep it really simple. I think was, you know, work on, work with what you've got, keep it simple, give away money, make sure everyone goes out volunteering and um, make sure you've got some products that are useful for, for not-for-profit charities. Would you expect a startup to be able to produce feature quality animation and help develop new drugs that will change the world? Well, there is one. Hi, it's Mike Stiles, and this is Meet the Startups for the week of August 12th, brought to you by Oracle for Startups. We've come a long way from Bugs Bunny. Today's studios and visual effects shops produce stunningly realistic animation and CGI. Computers have to process thousands of equations every single shot. That's how they get hair to blow perfectly in the wind, water to move and shimmer, and flames to lash out with stunning realism. But massive computational power like that seems to be no problem for grid markets. They leverage the high-performance power of Oracle Cloud and GPUs to render this kind of animation. There's more. GridMarket's platform is also being used by drug discovery customers to render complex molecular models in less than 24 hours to run simulations. Few startups can honestly say they help both amuse and heal you. This week, we asked GridMarket's co-founder Mark Ross how cloud computing has helped it scale its technology and capabilities for customers. To accelerate our customers' complex workflows like animation rendering and drug discovery, GridMarket's needs hundreds of concurrently running servers. Our service is expected to be secure and responsive even when we are deluged with demand. Without the help of Oracle's cloud, we simply could not satisfy these expectations. What could your startup achieve with more cloud computing power? Partnerships create possibilities. So we invite you to explore Oracle's startup program at oracle.com startup. Well, can we talk a little bit about the volunteering? Because I know that's been a big success. And, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. the so all the employees are able to take up to five days off to help volunteer paid. Is that right? Yep, absolutely. We, 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 don't, we don't tend to say it's five days off because take it from me, they're still working pretty well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they allocated. can. Yeah, they absolutely can, yeah. And, and many do more. Many do more and they find ways to, to, to um, entice their managers to let them do more. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it has been a massive education process. So as I said earlier, some markets volunteering is right, really alien. So if you look at France, for example, great people, fantastic. We've got a fantastic team in France, but the whole culture in France is very much that governments can help communities. It's not necessarily so charity orientated mm-hmm. and also colleagues just the volunteering thing we've had to teach them literally from scratch so they would be much further behind in their journey than say the uk or australia or the us where giving back especially with younger people i'm not going to use that m word because i I hate that word but anyone that's under sort of 30 it's it's absolutely 
essential that they work for an organization um, that drives you know engagement with with the local communities it, it would be weird to them to not do volunteer not to not do volunteering so um which is great news for me because it just means that it makes it easier <laughs> when we're trying to get people out there doing it and what, what are people out there doing all sorts of things so the traditional sort of you know hands-on building playgrounds painting walls all that kind of thing uh, which is absolutely nothing wrong with that because quite a few of our colleagues especially those that are sitting behind a laptop analysts or you know people that are really intensely sitting at a desk all day long they want to get out and do stuff they want to be active they want to you know build, build a playground or paint tanks for the military or whatever you know uh, the charities not obviously the military military um all sorts of stuff you know that's hands-on but then equally we do a lot of skill-based volunteering um and actually as we've gone into lockdown that skill-based volunteering has been really important because you can do it remotely um so you know tutoring young people with their reading or help we had um one of our hr um, EVPs spend some time with the um, St John's Ambulance in the UK helping them to put together a new um, HR strategy um, so it's a real real spectrum of, um, of activity um, we have a quite a few programs where we're encouraging entrepreneurship so uh, mentoring um, charities business leader to business leader. So in, in Australia, again, we have the Growth Project, which I don't know if you've heard about the Growth Project. If you oh. haven't, go and find out about it because it's absolutely amazing. And that is a project um, that was set up um, by a great guy called Larry that brings business leaders and charity leaders together to encourage growth. So growth for the charity, but also growth for the, um, the business leader. Um, we've, we've actually, with Larry, we've actually brought that program to the UK. So we've got 10 charities that we're working with in the UK with 10 business leaders, myself being one of them, uh, need to practice what I preach. <laughs> um, and it's a year long um, program where we meet uh, monthly. Obviously that's had to be remote, which has been an interesting challenge, but we've, we've mastered it. Um, and we literally just mentor each other and help each other with um, making sure that the charity grows. So it's not about saving charities or stopping charities from, you know, not, being able to operate it's about growth it's about encouraging really amazing charities to go that step further so in in sh the short answer is there are lots and lots of different volunteering opportunities from very hands-on to longer programs where you commit to a year-long project or it's sometimes longer and you really use your skills whatever those might be I, I think there's there's so much I'd, I'd love to just kind of you know dig deeper on uh one is like, okay, you have now 10,000 plus employees, 12,000 out in the world doing good and coming back into the operation. Surely that has like a lot of um, cultural significance within the organization. Yeah. So over the last two years, we've done a lot of work on the culture at Sage. We haven't changed it necessarily. We've just developed it out. Um, as the business has gone through so much transformation, um, we've, we've needed to make sure that we are, you know, our culture is being communicated, but also that we're living our values and our behaviours. Um, and when we did this work, um, we did it with an external agency or a number of external agencies. And one of the things that kept coming up was Sage Foundation. And they kept going, what is this Sage Foundation? Why is this so important to colleagues? And they'd 
quite a few people that, that we were working with hadn't seen this kind of level of engagement and love I think I'd go as far as to say the people at Sage love Sage Foundation um, and that that really influenced how we talk about the business from a cultural and values perspective um, and quite differently maybe to how some other organizations like ours, ours do it I think mainly because it's just so accessible it's simple it's not we haven't complicated this it's just you know don't get out there and do some volunteering raise some money help people get access to education and work readiness and we support women military veterans and young people that's it there is nothing more to it than that and I think if you keep things simple and keep it accessible to people why wouldn't you get involved really it's 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 not difficult and I think the other key thing really for us is that it comes it comes from the top you know from our chairman down so Donald Bryden is a fantastic advocate you know one of the you know one of the most amazing uh, chairman that I've ever worked with just so knowledgeable he's done so much with his life he gets it and that absolutely disseminates down through the business and Steve Hare as I said when I first started to work for um, Sage I reported into Steve so Steve and all the Exco are 100% behind Sage Foundation and every time Steve talks to you know colleagues whether it's on Sage TV or on a, or a town hall or whatever he always always talks about Sage Foundation and the importance of it and it always comes up in our investor um, you know our investor conversations around our results so I think that level of commitment of course it's going to absolutely um, you know change our culture so yeah. it, it, it does blow my mind actually uh, when I think about it it's like wow yeah we have we've done we've created a, a bit of a monster a, a very friendly monster <laughs> yeah. and, and like well you talked about engagement and I'm, I'm assuming also like um, retention right I mean like or even like you know, um, um, recruitment, right? I, I imagine recruit. that it's, yeah, yeah. it's changing how people are looking outside in and wanting to be part of it. And the people that are, you know, to your, to, you know, to use your words, like they're loving this, that, that, that means that they, um, are, you know, more productive, hanging around longer because they've got a bit more meaning to, um, to their roles. And I'm just curious to, to get your thoughts on that because, if anything, if we can, you know, encourage a few more organisations to think about um, a foundation or, you know, volunteering within, you know, in their um, in their world, that um, we've done a good thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm I'm a massive advocate for it. Um, uh, well, if we take take the the whole piece around recruitment, um, yeah, absolutely. What we've realised is that um, when people are in the business they quite often come up to me. I've got used to it now, but when, when it first happened, I was like, whoa, wow, that's quite cool. Um, they will say one of the reasons they chose to come and work for Sage was because of Sage Foundation. So we, we know from you know feedback from colleagues that are in the business that Sage Foundation was definitely one of the, one of the triggers to come and work at Sage. Um, if you look at our glass door comments, um, a lot of the comments are around Sage Sage Foundation. Um, Glassdoor, you know, is such an important measurement now for, for, for businesses like Sage. And when you're going through transformation, hey, you know, it, it, the scores might not be where you want them to be because we've had to change a lot of, you know, a lot of things about how we operate. Um, but actually, one of the key sort of points that people do bring out that is very positive is about Sage Foundation and what that means to them 
as they work at SAGE. So that's a really good gauge to show that it definitely, it definitely works for recruitment. And I think retention, retention's harder to, to measure, I think, because um, there are so many elements as to why somebody wants to be in, in an organization. But for sure, people that have been at SAGE, you know, for since I've been there, which is five years, um, they definitely see SAGE Foundation as a, as a very positive thing to keep them working at SAGE. Um, and as I say, all our, all our feedback on our, you know, always on pulse surveys that we do with colleagues throughout the, the year, throughout all the different markets, SAGE Foundation all, always rates very highly um, as to why they like working at SAGE and are staying at SAGE. Incredible. And then can we, can we talk specifically on, um, we'll talk about some of these products I've got here, here in front of me. Um, one is a, a place to call home. Yeah. Can you just talk a little bit about um, that, that program? Yeah, absolutely. So with, um, with the work that we do with young people, we wanted to understand why homelessness is quite a big challenge in, I think, lots and lots of markets. Um, and we wanted to look at it from a SAGE perspective. So we're from a, so SAGE was founded um, in the north of England in a, in a city called Newcastle, which is one of the smaller cities, but um, one of the most amazing cities. And, and, and because, it's a, because it's not a huge city, um, it doesn't have a, a necessarily a huge problem with homelessness in comparison to maybe a Manchester or a London, which is our kind of two key key uh, cities in the UK but there was still a problem and um, our old CEO um, wanted to understand how that was affecting young people and how they progressed into work readiness and education uh, and maybe even becoming entrepreneurs so we um, spent six months um, no actually it was longer than that sorry it's quite a long time ago now it's five, nearly five years ago and we spent a year um, working with a group of 10 young people that were homeless. Now, when we talk about homeless, we don't necessarily talk about people sleeping on the street. It could be that they just, they are just on someone's sofa or they're bouncing around different relatives or they're, you know, they might be on the street for a week, but then they'll find a hostel for a week. So there are transient um, population, a small population of, of young people that basically don't have a place to call home. So they don't have a safe place, which they call their home. Um, and it's important because I think sometimes when you think homeless, you think straight away, you know, sleeping under a cardboard box. That's not necessarily the case. Um, and we did a study with those over a course of a year, um, working with them closely and all the challenges and all the things that they had to go to to find a place to call home. And when we started looking at the reasons why, um, and we obviously broadened it out to work with other young people as well, but we specifically followed this, this, this group of 10. The main reason was um, that, that people were, you know, were failing and ending up on the street was because they fell out with their families. So the young people would fall out with their families. That would nine times out of 10, ten mean that they would then be truant at school they wouldn't they wouldn't be in the education system and therefore they weren't being looked after in the education system i.e knowing where these young people were and, and, and that they were turning up for school every day and they had a wash and they had food and all the you know all the basic things that you need to survive um, and we realized that if we could talking to the young people they all had a similar a similar journey fell out with their their their, their family ended up leaving home because they could no longer be in the family unit 
then didn't go to school because no one was telling them to get up in the morning and go to school, quite frankly. Um, and then they literally fell into some cases crime, um, but definitely their standard of living decreased hugely. And then they can get into the, the care system. Um, and that is not necessarily the best place for a young person to be. Um, so in a hostel, in a, um, you know, in some kind of shared flat with people they don't know that might not be the best influences on them. So when we started looking at it, we wanted to try and find out how we could stop it or at least change change things. Um, and it's all about early intervention and prevention, as with so many things around um, what charities do. If you can get in there early when the when the young person is maybe having some challenges with their, their family unit and stop them from leaving and find solutions for those challenges, then you've got a much larger, better chance that they won't then eventually become homeless in some form or another. So we, we basically have been working on this project for four years. So the first um, part was to write the write the report. The second part was to start working with um, local government in Newcastle to get them to understand that yes, obviously we realised that funding had to put um, a roof over young people's head, but had they thought about looking at this whole prevention model? And we then ended up working with a number of two small, really small charities in the northeast to kind of prove our point. So for the last two years we've been working to um, on what we're calling the barefoot, barefoot professional model, where we get professional um, people that um, through charities that go in and intervene with the family and help the family to find out why that young person is, um, you know, struggling. Um, and those, those, it's been really successful mainly because they're not government workers. They're not. Um, they're not. They're, they're seen as being people that are from the community sometimes will have been homeless or had challenges with homelessness themselves and they are going into the family and talking to them on a totally different level than somebody that works for local government um, and our success rates have been over 90 percent so over 90 percent of the young people that we've worked with have remained either in that home or they've been put into a home that is much safer and not a hostel or a shared flat where you know things are not going to be as stable so what we've now moved, we're now moving on from that. So we've written, um, which gets um, published in the autumn here in the UK. Um, we were publishing a report to say, look, this does work and encouraging uh, local governments in the UK to, to, to at least look at it. And what we're now doing is we're moving on to the future of work. So we're looking at how these young people that have been stabilised, have stayed in some kind of education, how they can then be, be work ready um, and what that look that future of work looks like so helping with work experience helping with apprenticeship schemes so we're going to move into really an area that we know much better um, which is early careers rather than the um, the sort of fixing the problem um, which I think is going to be a really interesting journey for us over the next five years so our focus for Sage Foundation will be even more focusing on the future of work for all three uh, groups that we work with um, and that's absolutely come out of the back of um, a place to call home. So that just, it's it like, it's kind of mind blowing to me that, and I imagine it's from, you know, the leadership, you know, well, your leadership and then the support, I guess you'd have internally, because this seems like kind of a societal thing as opposed to like, you know, like quite, quite far removed from a tech company, right? Like, um, at least to start. So is that yeah. just, 
is that just like this is a problem that needs to be solved and and go and do it even if it if it means like there's no benefit to us you know like i guess the answer is yes but i'm just trying to understand yes um and i think for us when we first started sage foundation we were looking at how we could you know make people work ready right and and one of those things is to help young people that maybe don't have the role models that people like you and i have had in their younger life and the the northeast newcastle is an amazing amazing city but you know like all big cities it does have its challenges there are people that have not been able to find permanent work um and those these are all social issues that are happening you know in all you know sadly around the world right um and if sage can do something really small by investing you know some time and effort into trying to look at how we can look at the problem from a different perspective because we're not government and we don't have the restraints on you know how funding is is paid for because sadly that's quite often isn't it's not the government or the uh, the councils that they don't want to not look at alternative prevention methods but there's just the fund and the way the funding models work is that they can't use any money to be able to do that that kind of work and that's where sage can come in and go well we can do that because there's nobody telling us how we how we spend our money we've just got to make sure that whatever we um whatever we invest in is that you know the impact is strong and that we're doing the right thing um and you know this project and i'm not sure we realized it at the beginning to be fair because we were still learning what it has given us is a lot of information and data that we can then use to make sure that our early life careers are fit for purpose that we don't presume that every young person that comes through the door knows how to work a laptop or actually even knows where the door is. So we need to find ways to, to find these young people because, you know, companies like Sage, we, you know, we've got to build pipelines of talent, um, especially in technology. Um, you know, the demand for, um, for, for any, anybody that's got technology skills is huge everywhere in the world because of the world we now live in. Um, and, you know, companies like Sage must make sure that, you know, they, they future-proof their, their talent. And what, what better way of doing it than, than working with, you know, early careers and helping people that might not have found the front door for Sage or might not have found what the future of work looks like because of AI let's help them to, to form great careers. So I'm hoping in five years time, I've got, we've got a, you know, a great team of young people that are working uh, for SAGE that have come through SAGE Foundation programs. Does, does some of it, like, and I want to get, get onto another program that looks even a bit heavier, um, but does some of it, um, you know, like get to you, you know? Um, it all gets to me, to be honest. Um, I think, look, you know, working with military veterans um, and and seeing what challenges they can sometimes have um, made made you know when I first got involved with Invictus, it just made me so sad, so 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 sad. But actually, that's not going to help anyone, is it? You know, you do something positive and help these awesome people to find their way um, and give them opportunities. So. Yes, it gets to me, but actually I try and look at it from a very positive perspective um, and a passionate perspective, because I am really passionate about it, is we, Sage is in the fantastic position where we can do stuff to help. So let's do it. Let's get out there and do it. 
Um, and that's what I learned when I was working with Virgin, because that's absolutely their attitude. Let's just get out there and start doing it and helping these, you know, helping people that, you know, need a helping hand through no fault of their own. And and obviously like those those wins that you have can kind of help feed kind of feed the beast, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It makes you smart. We have a we have a, a campaign within Sage Foundation called the Happy Campaign. Um, there was some research done in North America about um, the fact that volunteering does really improve your happiness and makes you happy, uh, and that improves your you know everything about your world, right? Um, so we we have um, we have the Happy Campaign, which basically is. Um, happens to be a five-letter word, which works really well for our volunteering. So when you've done your first day of happy, uh, day of volunteering, you get your H, happy badge, pin badge, you know, the old 1970s pin badges. And by the end of the year, you end up with a happy. Um, and this year we've got extra because it's extra happy because we did happy last year. Next year, who knows what it's going to be, but it'll be something around happy. So, you know, that's that's the payback, isn't it? it, it if, 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 you ha- if you're out there helping people, then you know, hopefully it makes people happy. And if you've got happy people working for you and happy customers, then, hey, life's, life's, life's done, right? Yeah, I mean, I just wrote a note. I was thinking, like, I've got to just try and do something like this um, on the weekends or whatever with my, my girls and just go, like, it'd be... Totally. Yeah. Um, we do a lot of that. Yeah. We do yeah. Family, family stuff. It's great. Um, and then... And then moving something to, you know, even a bit more serious, but I'm glad, you know, there's people out tackling these kind of problems, right, is um, can we talk about Rainbow? And I can see now that this kind of seems to overlap a bit more in the fact that you have now an AI-powered tool uh, supporting victims of domestic violence. Can you talk a little bit about that project? Yeah, no, absolutely. So this is a project we started in South Africa, which is one of our one of our you know key markets. Um, and sadly, uh, domestic violence in South Africa is the highest in the world. Uh, and and during lockdown over the last few few months, it's it's, it's become even more um, apparent down there. Well, as in a lot of markets, uh, UK included. So we um, worked with a, an amazing organisation called AI for Good. Um, which is run by a lady called Kriti Sharma, who used to work for Sage, actually. She used to head up our AI at Sage, artificial intelligence. Sorry, I shouldn't use jargon. Um, and um, she was really passionate about it. She's from, from India, and obviously it's a, a huge problem in India, and, and came to me and sort of said, look, I'd really like to try and use all my skills around AI to, to develop something that can help um, victims of domestic violence. So I'm like, yeah cool <laughs> what do you want to do so she said well look, this is this is what I've kind of been playing around with um while I've sort of you know outside of my day job and she showed me what she created which is a AI platform um that 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 hides behind Facebook so if you are um a victim of domestic violence one of the biggest challenges that you have is that you don't want your perpetrator to um find out um, that you're talking to somebody and therefore sometimes you won't talk to anyone because you're so scared that they're going to find out um, and then clearly beat you or whatever awful thing it might be that you don't actually reach out for help where was rainbow or bow as it's known as um, hides behind Facebook um, technology so it's if someone was to get hold of your phone they won't find it because it's it's buried within the Facebook platform. Don't ask me about how, how no, no, technology. No, I, don't want to I, am, I am not a technologist, but it does work. 
um, and um, and that's pretty much what we developed. Um, and with AI, as you know, it, it teaches itself, which is the most amazing thing. So you can go to Bo and you can tap in and have a conversation with her or him or it um, through through Facebook, um, through the back of Facebook, and then it will take you through how you how you know basic sort of help and advice and then it will then recommend that you speak to somebody and then we have tie up a tie up with a charity down in south africa that you can then reach out to um it's been really sadly very very popular um and we are continuing to develop it um and i guess the vision for it is that we we take it into other markets um but we have to be careful it's a really really sensitive um area of work um, and we have to make sure that we do the right thing and we protect the identities of the victims. Um, so it's, it's certainly not something that we're, we're rushing to, um, you know, have in all 23 markets. Um, but it's, you know, it has, we, we launched it in South Africa, golly, nearly two years ago, I think. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, it's been, it's been sadly a very successful piece of technology. Um, and we we continue to and um, we will continue to support it. Um, well, life life saved though, right? I guess, yeah. I mean, for, certainly for sure. You know, we've had amazing feedback from people that have, have used it. And, and I think the good thing about it also is is that you don't have to be the victim. You could just be a friend. So you can go on there and and ask questions for a friend, um, which it's just, it's really accessible. So one of the biggest challenges uh, to, to helping victims of domestic violence is reaching out to them because they are, they can be very scared of their perpetrator. Um, so this really allows access for people without any kind of threat from that perpetrator. Um, so, you know, but you know, it, 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 sometimes it's a bit, I'm not saying, it, 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 I'd love to be able to do more with it because there it is such a, a challenge in, in so many of the markets that we operate in. But, you know, again, we just have to be really careful. Um, yeah. And it's learning and it, it's amazing to watch it learn the answers and how to deal with some of the questions that are coming up. So yeah, no, great project. Absolutely. Can't, can't, can't break the trust. Right. And then. No, absolutely not. No. And then, so look, um, can we, you know, I wanted to, we've had, you know, a great conversation and I want to like, you know, we've got a bit, we've got a bit heavy here um, as, as, <laughs> as we need to, but um, what are yeah. some of the, you know, some of the great wins that have come out of, out of the programs that you're particularly proud of that we can kind of. Um, definitely Invictus and the work we've done with military veterans um, and learning, you know, learning about that, teaching our colleagues about that, being in a position to help military veterans set up their own businesses um, with the Peter Jones foundation, who's one of the dragons, um, Dragon's Den um, in, in the UK. Um, definitely that, that whole piece around military veterans because it was something I knew nothing about when I, I, I don't have a military background. Um, and, and the fact that all our colleagues have engaged with it in markets that you wouldn't necessarily think would engage with it because it's not a big military uh, presence. Um, I think um, all the work that we've done uh, with young people um, and this whole piece around work readiness that that, that journey has now taken us to. Um, and I think, you know, the volunteering, for sure, the amount of volunteering, I, I, it still blows my mind that we've managed to get such engagement from our colleagues. 
And I guess I think the, mo the thing I'm most excited about for the future is we're now really focusing on taking Sage Foundation out to our partners. Um, and our partners are the people that sell our software and manage our software on behalf of Sage. So they are responsible for a lot of our customers. So we kicked that program off this year. We've already got 50 of our big partners globally signed up to work with Sage Foundation on it. Um, Can you talk really... about that publicly or, or no? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, definitely. So we've got a, a partner program where we're encouraging partners to do volunteering, join us in volunteering, but also replicate the Sage Foundation model within their organizations, because some of our partners are fairly large organizations. Um, so that I'm most excited about. We only launched it in March this year, literally just as lockdown kicked in. But hey, that's good, because if you can do it during lockdown, man, you can do it. Um, we can do it, so, so, so that's good. Um, and I think next year for me, it's gonna be more customer facing activity, which is gonna be more challenging because we have millions of customers globally. So um, to, to reach them is gonna be, um, be the next frontier if you like that I'm, I'm really excited about and who, who are some of the bigger big brands that the, the audience would recognize that have signed up that you can mention they're not really brands because they're they're sort of partners so they're they're organizations that sell on our behalf so they're not they're not big brands that you you and i would know um i think that will come with the customers i think once we when we go out to our customers then you know we have huge brands that we work with globally and to, to get into some of those organizations will be our next, you know, will be our next piece. Um, but the partners don't tend to be, they're just, you know, not just, they are amazing organizations that, that sell on our behalf. So they're not really brands. And are there organizations that are, you know, perhaps listening or, you know, in our network that are, have nothing to do with Sage, um, have the ability to reach out to the Sage foundation and. and yeah. Contact yeah. me. You know, I, I want this to be, you know, a, a global phenomenon that people set up foundations, you know, and, and you don't have, you can set them up in name only. They don't have to be registered charities. Um, there are, you know, lots of, lots of ways of setting up philanthropic um, programs that are simple and easy to manage. Um, and, you know, if anybody wants to, to talk to me about how they would go about doing that, then please just reach out to me. And is that, uh, what, what's the URL on that one, Debbie? Um, yeah, if you go to sage.com um, and click on the Sage Foundation, there's a uh, inquiries uh, there. So, or otherwise, find me on find me on LinkedIn. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for your time today, Debbie. Um, you know, really exciting to hear about the work you're doing at Sage Foundation, and um, yeah, really enjoyed the, the conversation. Thank I, I did, Chris. Thank you for your time as well. It's it's been a great a uh, great discussion. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. To keep up to date with all things Startup Grind, visit us at startupgrind.com or join us at any event in a city near you. Until next time, chase the vision and keep hustling.